Is it possible that an advanced alien civilization is watching and guiding humanity toward a better trajectory? If so, what guidance would they give us? What would they tell us about our past, our present, and our ability to create a brighter future? What technology would they share with us that may help us live in harmony with the natural order of this world? Samuel Chung joins us to share the alien abduction story of the late Michel de Marquet, the prophecy of Thea Uba, and its message to the world. Stay tuned. Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are exploring the mystical side of life once again this week. If you enjoy our conversations, remember to subscribe, share with a friend. Today, I have Samuel Chung here with me. Samuel is on a mission to share the prophecy of Thea Uba with us. It is a story of alien abduction. Welcome, Samuel. Very nice to be here. Thank you. We're going to have such an interesting conversation. Now, this prophecy, this is not about your personal experience. Can you tell us a little bit of background information? Yes, um, this is actually a book about the author, Michelle de Marquez's personal experiences of being taken onto ET's planet, extraterrestrial planet, um, called Theoba for nine days, and then he came back, sharing his experiences and knowledge from the advanced civilizations of the Theobans, and, and he actually revealed a lot of uh, ET's technologies and also the ET's warnings for us, how we should uh, live our lives and how we should um, open our eyes and to look at what's happening around us. Why are you inspired to share this with the world? Because I was uh, really shocked at the book in the beginning. I was more shocked when I visited the author about uh, four years ago before he passed away. And he revealed that one thing he was not allowed to write in the book. That really got me started on my mission. It's like my personal mission of sharing the messages of the book to as many people as possible. Because we got to make the change. We have to change the ways how we live. And we have to open our eyes and really have to act accordingly to um, to the right path. Well, you've given me goosebumps, actually, when you say we really need to. The earth is seemingly at this very pivotal point where we have some very important choices to make about our future. Exactly. What are some of the things suggested for us through these extraterrestrials? Well, first, uh, they emphasize that um, the meaning of life is actually to learn and to gain spiritual lessons and not to focus too much on the material aspect, not to focus too much on money or wealth. Uh, we should uh, know how we behave and how to interact with others that they're actually recorded in the Akashic record, and when we die, we are going to reveal holographically how we did in this lifetime. And then they're also suggesting that the world is actually not what it appears to be, because when we look at the world politics, 
we see the two parties fighting against each other, but what we don't see is really what's going on behind the scenes. Everything is um, revolved around money, and there is an invisible hand behind the governments around the world. For example, a lot of the policies that the governments are imposing us to follow are really not that good for us. For example, a lot of licensed medical doctors in the U.S. cannot voice out their own opinions on certain subjects. So that makes me think uh, what uh, the governments are up to nowadays. Here we are in the midst of, you know, life as we know it, and we're embroiled in these situations. Like, how do you live without money? Well, it actually gives a very good solution, is that uh, when we open our eyes, when we act concertedly, when we act in all together, when we fight against the tyranny, then uh, peacefully and nonviolently, then we can change the world for the better. It gives a very good example of what Gandhi did in India and what um, another alien did on, on their planet is uh, actually to act in a concerted fashion, uh, in a nonviolent way, to voice our opinions against uh, the dictatorship or the tyranny. And I think that's a way to go because as we are approaching another financial crisis or another health-related crisis, we have to really look inside of ourselves to really find the answers and to really unite together. And I think this is actually one of the most important information contained in the book. Among other information, such as some of the technologies we can learn from or borrow from the ETs. And I think uh, this book gives a lot of revelations. I think you're right that the way to change has to be through peaceful, balanced, harmonious shift on the inside. Because if we rise up in, in violence and fear, we're just creating more of that, right? Exactly. And it actually emphasized that uh, when we encounter life challenges, we should look inside of ourselves and not to be dependent on an intermediary, for example, uh, a religious uh, organization or something like that. We should always uh, meditate or maybe uh, concentrate and to follow our own heart or gut feelings to find the answers. Sometimes we can also have a good night of sleep and to find the solutions in dreams as well. And, and the mind is actually everything. Our mind affects our astral body, which affects the physical body. And I think uh, it's very important to focus on the mind, to look inside ourselves. I know I find that in my work, that when we can shift our perception about something, whether that's you know releasing emotions that we hold or a limiting perspective of what's happening, if we can just switch that perception, sometimes the whole issue totally dissolves. That's actually a very good way of uh, finding solutions. And when, when we really look at life, it's actually just like a film in which we are actors in the film. It's really about uh, learning how to respond to the challenges and look at all the difficulties in life, financial, relationship, or emotional difficulties. Uh, it's, it's really important how we respond to those. Those are the very valuable opportunities for us to learn. And the author, Michel de Marquet, was uh, invited to see his uh, previous 80 uh, past lives 
And he really was um, like a, a lot of times a very common person, um, like a mining worker, like a beggar, a few times a beggar, sometimes a, a goldsmith in Japan. And a lot of times he was just a very common person, but through his common uh, person's experiences, he gained a lot of spiritual lessons. And I think uh, this is exactly how we we learn the uh, how to respond to the challenges. Another good point, Samuel, that we don't have to be outwardly spiritual to learn spiritual lessons in our lives, right? Exactly. We don't have to be a hermit. We don't have to be a monk. We, we can just be a, even a business person and to gain spiritual lessons. So it must have been pretty interesting for Michelle because, I mean, this book reads like science fiction, really. Yes. And that this was actually his experience. It goes into such depth about his time on that planet. Did he have any... I don't know, sense of concern about taking it out to the public? Well, that was the instructions from the ETs, actually just to write a book and to reveal, disclose um, his personal experiences of his nine days on that planet. And he took their instructions to the letter, and he wrote this book just to inspire people and, and how to change for the better. And uh, yes, this book really reads like a science fiction, but I find a lot of verifiable facts that are extremely interesting. For example, before he landed on the planet, they actually disinfected him uh, using yellow light and blue light. I did a lot of research on the effect of blue light and, and find that to be very interesting because the blue light has the antibacterial antiviral effects by Harvard Medical School. A research paper can be found online. And I think uh, that shows uh, that if you really read between the lines in the book, you're going to find a lot of interesting facts that can be very, very beneficial for our lives. Now, life on that planet had used very different technology, very different technology than what we do here, and far more harmonious with the nature of that planet. Do you think that all of that technology could also work here on Earth in our system. Yes, definitely. On that planet, they can levitate by neutralizing gravity. And the way to do that is to raise into a very specific wavelength of vibration, a very specific vibration, so that gravity can be neutralized. They call that cold magnetic force. And that way, we don't need to use a lot of petroleum uh, as an energy source. And they also instructed us to commercialize the um, hydrogen engines. Uh, remember, this book was written in the late 80s and early 90s. And back then, there was no hydrogen engine uh, publicly uh, available uh, in our world. But they were saying that some scientists already invented it, but suppressed by the governments and also the petroleum companies. I find that to be very interesting because uh, in, in the United States, there's a person named uh, Stanley Meyer who invented a vehicle that ran on water. So he actually split the water molecules using a specific vibration uh, so that the covalent bond between hydrogen and oxygen can be broken. A lot of people actually invented the uh, engines that ran on water. 
but somehow they just cannot get those commercialized because they're either being bought off or uh, or they just disappear like Stanley Meyer. And, and I think there are ways to do that, which is to make it immediately available publicly without personal gain, without applying for patents, and just to make everyone benefit, have an altruistic like thinking. And I think that's the way to go about some kind of uh, revolutionary technologies. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So did the ETs give a kind of like tipping point date for humanity? Well, they're saying that we have to change as soon as possible. And uh, the reason is that I can say that if you really look at the Bible, uh, the one of the books not included in the Bible is the book of Enoch. And he uh, was uh, instructed to write a book and he did. Uh, a few decades later, there came the um, Noah and the Ark and the flood. So uh, Michel de Marquet was instructed to write this book as well. And uh, you can do the calculation. Samuel, what does the book have to say about Jesus Christ? Uh, this book reveals uh, who the Christ is. And that's actually the information that got me really wanted to visit the author. One of the reasons. And, and is that um, I personally didn't believe anything written in the Bible before I read this book. I thought that the Bible was just a science fiction. How could a person like Christ perform all the miracles? And what if uh, the Bible is just a science fiction uh, used by the, the church uh, people to, to really influence uh, how we think and behave? And I was thinking like that, but until I read this book, I, I was uh, thinking maybe, maybe I shouldn't really take the Bible very seriously. But after reading the book, it changed everything that I had thought about the Bible because uh, everything matches perfectly to some of the details in the Bible and also explains a lot of the questions I had when I was reading the Bible. For example, one of the questions I had was uh, why there was no record of Jesus Christ performing miracles before the year of 30. And then this book explains that uh, Jesus and Christ are actually two different people. The Jesus born out of uh, Virgin Mary was uh, born out of an embryo implanted by the Theobans just to fulfill the prophecy that someone extraordinary would be born from a virgin. Because he was born that way, he had to pass through his soul or his uh, astral body has to pass through what they call the river of oblivion, forgetting everything happened in his uh, past lives and also his uh, knowledge about performing miracles. That's why this Jesus born out of Virgin Mary couldn't perform miracles, and he later went to India and traveled to China and died in Japan. And this is why there is a, a tomb of Jesus Christ in Shingo village, Japan. Christ, on the other hand, was uh, someone from Theoba who could perform all the miracles because he didn't really go through the embryo development stage and he remembered all the knowledge to perform the miracles. His main mission was to preach spirituality and love. And he died on the cross and resurrected three days after was just to show people at that time that there is life after death and there is reincarnation. And I think this makes perfect sense because it, it really made us really focus on the teachings of Christ and to follow what uh, Christ taught us and to really connect to our inner self because 
the kingdom of God is within us. This is what Christ said. So we need to look inside of ourselves and not really rely on the pastors or clergy or the ministers of the church. And I think uh, love is also important. We have to have uh, unconditional love, brotherly love when we uh, treat others, even love our enemies. And, and when you die, when you pass away, when you reveal how you did in the lifetime, you're going to feel and experience how the other people felt when you behave in a certain way. So this is something that people should remember and everything's recorded. Yes, I've heard that as well, that you not only relive your life, but also how you made other people feel. I'm sure it's going to be very eye-opening for all of us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, did the book mention anything about God or about the universal intelligence that runs the whole show? Yes, uh, it talks about the creator, the source. Um, God created uh, all the planets, the stars, the solar system, and the plants and the animals. And uh, it's actually um, very interesting that the book says that the, the source of God, uh, God inserted a tiny portion of itself to every one of us. So we are part of God. So God uses um, that tiny piece of itself to experience everything we experience uh, so that everything is um, given back to God and our learning experiences, our feelings. And um, so this is something, this is how God experiences using our physical bodies, our physical experiences. So we always uh, go back to God, go back to the source. Now, some of the things in that book talk about our own energy system, how energy works, the nature of thought. Can you share a little bit of information that perhaps all of our listeners could take to heart to help them kind of make shifts where they need to make a shift? Well, everything is about vibrations and, and when you focus your mind on something, you're actually trying to utilize your own vibrations to affect that purpose. So when you really want to achieve something, try to meditate and concentrate and then just to relax be in a totally meditative state. And concentration, what it means is just use your subconscious mind to think about the goals that they're trying to achieve. And, and that way you can uh, really achieve it sooner or later. Personally, when I try to use my subconscious mind, when my subconscious mind wants to achieve something, I can always achieve it. That's something that we can, we can give it a try. I totally agree with you, Samuel. When your unconscious mind or your subconscious mind is on board, I mean, that's when the magic happens, right? Yes. Now, the book does also mention some interesting details about things in our past. Things like Easter Island and the statues there, things like ancient Egypt. Yes. Why don't you share a little bit about that? You know, it's very interesting you mentioned it because uh, I was uh, subconsciously looking for a book like this, a book written by someone who encountered the ETs and the ETs revealed a lot of the mysteries of the ancient civilizations. The civilizations in the past appeared on Earth multiple times and we actually all came from different planets. 
for example, the black people and yellow people came from a planet called the Brachratini about 1.35 million years ago. And then the Caucasian people came later, and the Jewish people came even later than the Caucasian people. And throughout the history, there were civilizations and there were natural disasters. One of the ancient civilizations was the, the uh, civilization on Lemuria, the continent Lemuria, which is in the Pacific Ocean. The Hawaiian Islands and the Easter Island are still some of the remnants of that civilization. And the statues on Easter Island were actually built by the people of Lemuria using anti-gravitational technologies and uh, supersonic vibrational systems so that they could cut stones in a very precise manner. And unfortunately, that civilization disappeared because the entire continent sunk into the ocean about uh, 14,500 years ago, suddenly. And they didn't really pass on their knowledge to other people on other continents at that time. So their technologies were lost. And then there were also people like from Atlantis. They passed uh, some of the knowledge to the people in Egypt. For example, one of the learned persons from Atlantis was called Thoth. And he built a great pyramid of Egypt using the same technologies that the Lemurians built the statues on the Easter Island. Speaking of the Great Pyramid, it was actually a tool to capture cosmic energy. There are a lot of uh, modern theories about that, and I believe that to be very interesting and people can look it up. It captures the energy so that the users of the tool of the Great Pyramid could communicate with people from other planets at that time. And they could also use it to make rain by concentrating the energy to the clouds, to the sky, so that the clouds could be formed. And some people nowadays are trying to use the same technology or same uh, system to, to make rains. I'm curious about the Sphinx. I had done a series of shamanic journeys that went through the temples of Egypt. And in that series, the Sphinx was almost like a universal library where you could access so much information. Was there any mention of the Sphinx? Yes, Michel de Marquet, the author, didn't write it in a book, but he revealed it publicly in a lecture that the Sphinx actually had three chambers beneath it. And when we are ready, when the time is right, when the three chambers are opened, then everything will be revealed because it contains uh, everything we need to know about the past and also what happened. And it's actually like a big library of knowledge. Uh, I find that to be interesting. You have this journey and also I think Edgar Casey mentioned about it and also a boy in Russia also mentioned about the same thing was beneath the Sphinx. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a coincidence. Because there's so much theory about, was the Sphinx always a Sphinx? You know, did it have a dog head? Did it have a lion head? What kind of head did it have before it had the pharaoh head? Any mention of that? Well, Michel de Marquet didn't really say anything about the shape of the Sphinx. But he mentioned that it's uh, very important that we raise our consciousness to a certain level so that we are ready to open the chambers. And if we are forcefully to open the chamber, try to open the chambers now, we won't be able to do so because uh, even if we use explosives, the chambers are not going to be opened. Uh, it has to be something else that opens the chambers. He, he really didn't elaborate any further on that. 
And so the suggestion to help raise our vibration, raise our consciousness is to meditate more. Meditate more and really that's to raise the consciousness. That's one of the most important information contained in the book. And the other is to open our eyes and to look what's happening around the world. There are so many things happening and have happened over the last few years that I'm sure many of us never thought we would see. Yes. And being a Chinese myself, I have to say that I have uh, access to some information that's not always uh, accessible to other people. And uh, being a translator, I have certain advantages. And the virus actually... Uh, came from China for sure and uh, the laboratory because the location of the laboratory has two sections. One is the civilian portion and the other is the military portion and that virus actually came from the military portion. They were originally going to deploy down the Hong Kong protesters. It's so sad to me to think that humanity has a chosen power over the needs of their brothers and sisters and, and fellow humans. It, it just, you know, boggles my mind sometimes. Sometimes it's very interesting that um, I think I chose to be a Chinese in this lifetime. is um, It's very interesting because <laughs> there's a lot of things uh, kind of uh, are done by the Chinese uh, government, uh, not necessarily the Chinese people, but uh, I think I'm on mission to reveal certain information to the public. When the time is right, I'll do so. You know, Samuel, I probably wouldn't have come across this book if you hadn't reached out to me. So thank you. I appreciate it. It's fascinating to me to see how technology can be developed and used that works in harmony with nature rather than trying to forcibly control it and also the idea of a species that can actually get along totally fine no crime no you know power trips it's inspiring actually to think that could be our future at some point yes uh definitely the book emphasized that technology has to help our spiritual development now, one thing that the book mentions is the importance of developing an aura camera, which is really just to capture the human energy field, like a real camera. I know there are currently aura cameras on the market. We, we have to put our hands on a sensor. And I'm trying to develop something better, which functions like a real camera. And I find that to be important because a lot of aura readers they can see the colors of the auras from black and white photos. So that's actually the uh, cutting point or the angle that I'm trying to uh, use and to develop that camera. So if any of your audience can see auras or colors from black and white photos, please contact me. And Samuel, if people would like to learn more, where can we send them? Well, they can search on Amazon, uh, Theoba Prophecy, um, and they're able to find uh, the book uh, selling there. And they can also search on Google, um, any keywords related to the book to find additional information. There's actually a quite a large community of followers of this book uh, on Facebook, and people discuss a lot of interesting topics, such as how to meditate and how to 
uh, grow spiritually and interesting technologies. You know, the book mentions about the ability of the Theobans being able to levitate themselves. There's a history channel documentary by a magician called uh, Dan White. He visited uh, Nepal years ago and filmed uh, a monk who showed him how to levitate. And being a magician himself, he couldn't figure out how he did it. I think that monk must have done that naturally using the uh, abilities or the method mentioned in this book is to raise the uh, vibrations of that person so that the vibration neutralizes the uh, gravity force of Earth. And there are people who can still do that nowadays. And I think it's very interesting. Samuel, would you like to share your website as well? Yes, my website is uh, chinasona.org slash theoba with a capital letter T. And people can find my uh, research and my personal experiences related to the author on that website. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find all of our conversations on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Come visit me at thoughtchange.com. And according to the prophecy of Theoba, that's exactly what we need to do is change our thoughts, change our mind, and how when we can change our mind, we can change our world. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next time.